Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I am your host, D-Palm. Follow me on Twitter at D-Palm66. Follow the show on Twitter at UDPod. Follow the entire MTR network at, you guess it, the MTR network. You found us. Don't you dare leave, lose us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on everywhere podcasts are giving away for absolutely free 99. If you leave the five-star review on iTunes, your words will be read on the air. It's a great way to show that you're listening. Great way to us to that someone's listening out there besides my parents. Hi, mom and dad. And, um, yeah, I'll read any words you put on there, five stars. And uh, even when they're mean about me and my teams, which they very often are, I will read them on the air. Now, we're back. Let's get you back in the swing of things, back recording on a much more regular basis. And today we've got two guests. We've got our newly appointed, unpaid finals correspondent. You've heard him last time. You're hearing more often. Maybe just one more time. This might be the last time before we get to a uh, – final game but we'll talk about that later on what up mike thanks for having me back so soon happy to talk about this finals thank Whatever. you for accepting the uh, generous raise of double your fee of zero dollars to be doing this on such a more more regular basis we've also got from pw torch live cast the deep wait for it dive hosted by rich fan we've got rich fan here on the air what up rich what's going on guys looking forward to chatting and looking forward to uh all the exposure we're going to be giving folks. <laughs> exposure is the word of the week here. We're recording this on October 3rd, the more, about noon Eastern time. So everything is current up to that point. So you can know where we're coming from with everything we're talking about. Uh, before we get into some of the bigger topics of the day, I want to touch some small things. First and foremost, fuck the St. Louis Cardinals. And not for the reasons we always say fuck the Cardinals, but for reasons that um, will become apparent very recently. Very soon. Bob Gibson died yesterday. And for those who know Bob Gibson is, you know, I'll get into it in a second. But when the Cardinals released the obituary, I want you to know what this sentence says. From the St. Louis Post-Dispatch written by Rick Hummel, by almost any account, Stan Musial was considered the greatest Cardinals player. By those same accounts, Bob Gibson, who died at age 84 Friday night in Omaha, Nebraska, was considered the franchise's greatest pitcher. These shitty writers made Bob Gibson get behind Stan Musial in his own obituary. Rich, come on, man. I mean, Apple Care told me they were the greatest fans in baseball, and that's just Here's kind of far for the cross. Bob Gibson, if you don't know who Bob Gibson is, he averaged nine innings in a 1.89 ERA in nine World Series starts. He won two Cy Youngs. He won an MVP as a pitcher, and he once pitched on a broken leg. I mean, that's better than a bloody sock. I mean, Gibson was a dog. <laughs> like, like you, I, I, I don't understand why you would do that. I do. I mean, you I do. very much do. You don't. Yeah, but like, <laughs> for them to be like. Hey, Gibby, sorry, bro. You still got to get back to the line. You're not a buzzword. You know what you're not? Stan Musial. That's who you're not. Uh, Ridiculous. And while last night was game two of the NBA Finals, it was also game one of the Wubble Finals. Sue Bird, in 40, 11 years, will be 40 years old. And then she set the playoff record with 16 assists in the Seattle Storm's 93-80 win over the Aces. Mike, Sue Bird. I mean... Personal best in playoff assists, playoff record, finals record, still doing it after all these years. I mean, I love it. I mean, what more can you say about her? I 
it's it's nuts. It's Sue Bird. It's Sue Bird. Like, what are we doing? I'm just, it's really fun to watch her just be her. And then the fact that they gave her Brianna Stewart. Like, what? Not even fair. I mean, <laughs> really? I mean, Stewie had an amazing game, too. What, like Amazing 30, 37 and 15. Yeah. Just not even fair. I mean, it wasn't a close game. Uh, so they haven't lost in the playoffs. They're going to take this title down again. And by giving super to, and for people to know, Brianna Stewart last year missed the season with a torn Achilles. And now this is this. I, for those people who want balance in your sports, maybe the WNBA is not the way to look because goodness gracious, the storm can be here for a while because Stewart's 40 and doing this. The uh, Wubble has been uh, pretty effective. They aren't really good for that. Tip of the cap to the Wubble. Um, And because the week's taken a year to get through, this whole topic I wrote down on Monday, and I thought that, oh, maybe it'd be fun to talk about in the show, but I just get out of the way now. Here's what $750 will get you in the sports world. I picked that number for no good reason. Um. It will get you four rounds of golf at Trump Ferry Point Golf Course. It'll get you mm, maybe two tickets to the Iron Bowl. It'll get you mm, at the if you were at City Field, it would get you 68 beers and have two dollars left over. Um, it's the max amateur golfers can win in prize money if they win a USGA tournament. And it is probably gets you one 50-yard sideline ticket to see the Browns play the Cowboys in Dallas. For no reason. Just 750 bucks. I don't know why I would pick that number. I don't know why that number mattered on Monday. I should probably still matter. Well, we're here recording on the heels of NBA Finals Game 2 in the books. The LeBron Lakers taking on the Your Name Here Miami Heat. And, um, Mike, it wasn't close. It was one of those annoying games where it was kind of like, not never in doubt, but always like you should probably keep an eye on this level. You know, the Heat heat hung around a lot longer than I thought they would. Yes, and for that note, shout out to the refs and the free throw disparity. A plus 21 free throw makes advantage to the uh, underdog heat. Really? We we're gonna, gonna we talk about the refs when the things that occurred on the court. <laughs> I mean, next game might be interesting with Bam back. You know? Why? It'll allow for the gentleman's sweep. I, I thought right. the gentleman's sweep was here too, but I feel like LeBron and AD are not about gentlemanly life at this point. It no, no, like they're in their final forms. Yeah, LeBron's here to prove that y'all forgot about me. And this little 19-year-old, 20-year-old, 34-year-old don't matter. Lakers in four. Mike, it's wild because you and I talked about, like, how older you learn how to bust the zone. And that's the other way you bust the zone. You can shoot over it. You can pick around it. Or you can just go stand in the middle of it and be bigger and stronger than everyone else. I mean, how many layups did AD have in, like, the first quarter, first half? I mean, it was absurd. And he had, like, eight offensive rebounds. Uh, that zone was not working. It's 
it's so hard, and, and it's interesting because listening to Perkins on a podcast um, this morning, how hard it is to rebound in a zone because your eyes are never really looking at the ball. And that's kind of, I, I never really thought about that because, but even then, what's interesting is that the makeup of this Lakers team is that they've gone opposite of what the league's done. So the league, when they saw what the uh, Warriors could do, they were like, well, we can all do that. We can pace and spacing and shoot these threes. But they didn't have Steph and Clay. So now all these other teams have gone small and like, we're going to shoot you out the lights. And they built this dinosaur in LA. We're like, well, what if we just step on you? Right, like, gotta be able to shoot like Steph and Clay for that to work. That's the thing is, the the, the Heat almost did it. The Heat went 50 40 90 last night as a team. Mm -hmm. And they still didn't get within nine at any point. What does does Bam functionally change? Because let's not forget, Bam is not a seven footer, Bam is LeBron James. They are the exact same dimensional human being. I mean, I don't know what the Heat can do. I don't think they're going to win the series. I don't even know that they're going to make it interesting at this point. That's a very bold prediction. They're not going to win the series. (laughs) I don't think they're going to take four off LeBron in the next six. Correct. I agree with that. I don't think they're going to take one at this point. I I don't see the one. Like, even if Dragic walked through that door, he's limping through it, first of all, because you didn't fix the plantar injury in three nights. And bam, the shoulders been bugging him all all postseason. My favorite moment of last night's game, though, was during a timeout gets called as LeBron's bringing the ball to the court, and Kelly Olynyk trips in front of him. Mm-hmm. And everyone's saying LeBron pushed Kelly Olynyk, possibly because Kelly Olynyk's the one who wrenched Kevin Love's arm out of its socket and cost him the 15 finals. I thought Olynyk tripped. I feel like I'm a Jordan fan who didn't see a push off with Byron Russell. I liked it. I like that LeBron could be that petty. I looked at the I looked at the footage and it looked like that was that was a uh, doctored footage. Yeah. I like, feel I feel like anything on these cameras these days. Anything. I've seen take. TikTok. Mike, are you ready for the takes? Let's hear them. Well, they're coming. I mean, I'm just telling you what's coming because if they when they sweep the heat, it's gonna be hey, this finals is an asterisk for LeBron. That was too easy. Never mind that each round we got to was this team is uniquely built to beat the Lakers. Remember the the, the, the uh, Trailblazers were the best eight seed we'd ever seen. Well, didn't work out for you, did it? And now it's going to go from this is the hardest thing anyone's had to do. Everyone leaving the bubble saying what a mental and physical taxing it is to saying Lakers let, walk through. If anyone won it but the Lakers, it would have been the hardest title ever to win. When LeBron sweeps his way to it, it's going to look like, well, that was easy. Got to move those goalposts. And the thing is, they're going to keep moving because, let's be really real, like LeBron's averaging goddamn barely almost a triple-double in the NBA Finals, but the MVP of this Finals is going to go to Anthony Davis. Because now the goalposts are going to move again because it goes from, oh, Jordan's got six rings to Jordan's got six rings and six Finals MVPs. Are you ready for that conversation to be shifted too? Look, people are firmly in their MJ LeBron camps at this point. Like we've had enough of a sample size of LeBron 
to really know where it's at. Uh, you know, all this nitpicking about another ring or another finals MVP or, you know, how hard the bubble is, whatever. Uh, LeBron, GOAT, getting it done. What year is this for him? This is year 17. I mean, how many more years does he have? Looking uh, like I, 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 the rumor's five. Like, look. Wait a minute. Here, so, LeBron James case. I'm, I'm sorry. People need to think about that when it comes to this bubble being the hardest mental thing. I'm like tagging myself in like around the whore. If this is the hardest thing for someone to do as an NBA player, as an athlete, and this man already in 17 years has been to 10 finals. Yes. Mental warfare is not a thing for him. He is that this is this that should eliminate the debate. Like, well, that's the closest. There's that. There's also the fact that we're watching. Like, hey, Goran Dragic is down because he got injured. Bam got injured. This motherfucker, if he plays, his team's in the finals. How many, right. Here you go. We're all fairly smart men. How many playoff games has LeBron James ever missed? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like this, this durability, the things that we're seeing are unreal. Mike shared this with me yesterday on uh, Instagram, the flow chart from Shea Serrano a couple years ago. Will I be in the NBA finals this year? Do you play in the same conference as LeBron? No, then possibly. Yes. Well, is he on your team? No, then you will not be in the finals. Is he on your team? Yes, you will be in the finals. He's 30 fucking six and this flow chart still works. He's playing in the June slash October. On the back of I'm LeBron James. And for people who say that this is too easy, guess what? This is what it looks like when the other team doesn't have three Hall of Famers on it. This what are they going to do when Bronny four. wins it with him? Palm, this what are they going to do when Bronny wins a title with him? <laughs> it's insane. Like, maybe of- give them some credit for making it look easy. I mean, like, it- like- Y'all realize they did 30 for 30s on Reggie fucking Miller? We're living the greatest 30 for 30. And people want to tell us how, what he's not. It's weird that the best player can be so underappreciated. It's it's another thing that I didn't think he could pull off. Can you make? And the thing about it is when you go back and really look at it, every final, this is the first finals where he's an overwhelming favorite. 11, where he melted down, of course. Mm-hmm. And in the second, I think the, the second, they were underdogs against the Thunder in the Heat. The first year, they won the ring. The second year, I think they were favorites against the Spurs. The third year, they were not. Fourth year, I should say, they were not. And then with the Cavs, it was never. It was never. LeBron's going to come dominate. It was LeBron versus three to four All-Famers. Let's see what happens. I saw this interview clip of uh, Doc talking about LeBron and MJ. I don't remember when he said these things, but he's talking about how LeBron comes into the league with all these expectations on him, like the highest expectations anyone's like had coming into the league, and somehow he's surpassed them. <laughs> it's crazy. Like MJ came in, he was a good college player, but he had time to grow into himself and become MJ MJ. LeBron came in like the most publicized, highly touted kid out of high school. And he's doing way better than the highest projections we had for him back then. What if Freddie turned into Messi? That's what this is. It's absurd. Because you're right, that weight of expectation crushes a lot of people. 
And from that cover with him in that St. Vincent St. Mary's jersey of SI in 2002 to today, he has, there's been no misstep. There's been no, there's been no hoodie LeBron. There's been no LeBron reclamation project. It's just been steady ascension. And from day one, I've said that the end of his career was just going to him going to be tall Magic Johnson, taller Magic Johnson. I didn't know it would still involve pummeling people in the lane. Rich, that's what struck me so much about game two is that when they would miss or when they would drive, it just looked like it looked like you were playing ball with your son, Rich. It was like keep away, like all right, I know yeah. you'll get the rebound if I don't want it, but I'm gonna take this one. It was it's deeply personal. I mean, you've <laughs> seen all 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 week leading into the first game these comments of you stack the players one to ten. You got more stars on the Heat than you, you do. Know, they they had the Samaria to say one and two are on the Lakers, but three, four, five, six, seven, they're all on Miami's team. Is yeah. that true? It isn't. Or the you know, I, I I agreed with some of the athletic article that talked about Jimmy Butler's always been right as far as the teammates he's played with and some of them being, you know, bums and him not wanting to be a bum. But guess what? Jimmy Butler, the weight of expectation of being that guy in the finals is here. And you're looking just like everybody else. He's doing fine. He had 25 and 12, I think, last night. And for most people on most nights, even in the finals game, that's a good stat line. Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. can win with you. You can win with Jimmy Butler if he's your third best player. Right. But if he's your best player, you know, even when they were like competing with the Lakers, quote, unquote, in game two, the effort, it, it, Mike, it was your thing. All that for a drop of blood. They'd work so hard and be so earnest and be contested jumper that happened to go in. And like, whew, that shit looked hard as shit. And then all of a sudden, LeBron and AD are throwing full court passes and throwing layups. It, it just deflates you. Like you fight all that. Like when when they off of a make, they take it out and launch it full court and get a layup <laughs> after you work so hard to get a basket. I mean, you, what do you do? So depressing. <laughs> See, I want that footage of LeBron and Kelly, and I want someone to inco- incorporate the audio of I hope they remember you after Yo, this. Kelly Olynyk. if Kelly Olynyk's going to play that many minutes, you don't have a chance. And no shade to Kelly Olynyk. He had a couple of spot up threes that I did not think he would make um, in game two. Owing to, like, people are like, oh, it was, it was a tight game. The, the Heat shot. 50, 40, 90. Like, you hit those numbers in the season, you're probably going to be in the MVP conversation. Hit them for a career, you're automatically in the Hall of Fame. It doesn't happen. And they did it as a team last night. And that shit was never – no one ever thought they were going to win, including everyone on that sideline. I love the fire out of Spo, the, you know, we're going to keep fighting. We're not not giving up down 2-0-2. Great, you shouldn't give up. You're paid not to give up. I'm allowed to give up on you. I'm allowed to objectively look at what the, what's happening in front of me, but, oh, these motherfuckers might be cooked. I don't see the gentleman sweep. I don't see the one. I can't find – at some point, you've got to, what, hope Anthony Davis doesn't go 12 or 15? I mean, all they really got is hope at this point. Hope is a lie. It's a lie. This is inevitability, man. This is the future. I, it is now. I, I got this quote, Palm. I've been listening. I've been watching. And for those of you, this is like a really cheap plug. 
I didn't think it was going to be good, but I love uh, there is a show on uh, uh, I want to say it's Amazon and it's about the uh, soccer coach who was a football coach that went to England and learned and basically was put in a uh, major league situation where he's intensely, you know, the owner wants him to lose, but he's winning people over. But the British have a saying, and I think it applies here for the finals. Hope is what kills you. The worst thing they could have done was gotten to this final because that hope and seeing the reality of this team is, you know, for a 20 year old, I look at Harrow and I'm like, this has to be like, how do you, I want to know what you, how do you react to that? Like you've already seen LeBron James on videos. You've, you've, you've played him once or twice, but now he's the, you're the thing standing between him and his continued legacy. And he doesn't acknowledge you. You're not hearing a lot of the, we ain't scared of LeBron James. You're not hearing that shit from these kids. No. Nope. It's one thing from his peers to be like, for Paul George, be like, you just know the player, which is alive, whatever. These kids grew up on a steady diet of LeBron. Imagine if Jordan had played 17 years at this level. Like, that's who, he's their Jordan. The unassailable, the unreachable goal. He's what they could hope to be, but never could achieve. And they know it. And guess what? Every time they've stepped up to him, he's proven it. Dame, he proved it. Jamal proved it. James Harden. Been, everyone's proved it against James Harden. And now it's hashtag heat culture. The heat culture that they told him when he left was this was the biggest mistake of his career. And yes, I want to say it again. Anthony Davis is going to win the finals MVP. He deserves it. Last night, LeBron James had 37 possessions where he either shot, drew a free throw, or got an assist without one single turnover. The only players to use more possessions without a turnover in the finals era are Michael Jordan twice, Magic, and Shaq. This is LeBron's second game in this playoffs without a turnover. And for me, the two most impressive on that list are LeBron and Magic, because they're playing point guard. It's crazy. We're watching singular greatness, dual greatness. I apologize, because again, Anthony Davis is doing his thing. He's going to be the finals MVP. But when he gets the award, when he deflects to LeBron, it's not just a deflection of saying, oh, I'm going to give up to the OG. Go watch what you're watching. It doesn't seem as flashy. It doesn't seem as as entertaining or as as highlight grabbing. But he, if he decides on a possession, I'm getting a rebound and this ball is going this hole. There's nothing that he can do. That's a LeBron fan. I love it. When Game Four happens, if that ends this series, look out the next morning because there will be a um. Lightly or highly inebriated deep home, and probably lightly now. Like there's no real drama now. Like it's that podcast gets less manic with the every every second of this game, uh, series continues. But something you can't ignore is the NBA life outside the series, and that's why Kyrie Irving's on podcasts. I'm not gonna play the audio because Kung Fu Kyrie. But Kyrie Irving was quoted. Let's do the first quote first, saying. That Kevin Durant is the first teammate he feels confident in taking the final shot. Mike Prather, tell me why it's crazy. Uh, I mean, it's not like Kyrie hasn't played with some uh, pretty great players up until this point, but you know, he just uh, 
It's constantly giving people content, so I guess you can't be too mad at them. My thing is the LeBron thing. You were there before LeBron. As the Cavaliers dude, you couldn't make the playoffs. And now you resent him every step afterwards? Rich, is it just, is it me? Is it just jealousy? Or is Mike right? Is he just giving us content that we need in these, honestly, not that dry time for sports. We're kind of drowning in sports. You got NBA playoffs. The Stanley Cup just wrapped up. Baseball's doing its thing. The level's still rolling. And football is football. We'll talk about it in a second. Am I taking Kung Fu Kyrie too seriously? I mean, I, I think you are a little bit because I liked how Nick Wright called him Bradley Beal with a ring. Damn. I mean, if he believed the earth was round, he could work his way around to figuring out what that meant. But uh, <laughs> I, I think Kyrie at this point is just, it's okay, man. Like, you weren't the guy. Let that go. You're on the nets now. You're kind of there. It's okay. Well, not just, he's not just on the nets, Rich. He's apparently expanding his profile. I don't know if you heard this. He said, I don't really see us having a head coach. Oh, I can oh, be a head coach oh. one night. Kevin can be a head coach one night. Jacques Vaughn can be the head coach one night. Notably not naming the actual head coach. Oh, wow. So we're going to go Montessori school NBA team. <laughs> got it. We all got waves and sharks as grades for this week's game. Awesome. I had I had a lot of jokes, but someone pointed out that um, Nash was found reading the Communist Manifesto in his uh, in his locker during his playing days. So this is, this whole egalitarian system of, of basketball might actually work. Mike, you played on basketball teams. Shouldn't there be a coach? Kind of necessary, uh, but like if Kyrie clearly doesn't really respect any of his uh, previous teammates, do you think he respects two-time MVP Steve Nash as a point guard? Like, do you really? What is, what's the plan? Like, what's the plan? Like, really, what's the plan? Because Kyrie has made it abundantly clear, you can't tell me what to do. Like, if there anything, if you think anything from all this bullshit and nonsense, you can't tell me what to do. Seems to be the consistent fucking phrasing from this man. And this is a Nets organization that was touting itself as a destination because of the culture they built. And the two years Kyrie's been there, it's been like, yeah, but I don't really like that shit. But they can absolutely tell him what to do. Like, if they don't want him to play, he's not playing. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm in on a more micro level, like on a day-to-day possession-to-possession type situation, the idea of the team. Because, if Mike, if there's no head coach, that's like having two quarterbacks. It means you have none. And he's saying you've got seven, eight quarterbacks. Look, Kyrie's always had a high opinion of himself. I mean, he literally came into the league – you know, he challenged Kobe to one-on-one on the Olympic team when he, like, just graduated college or just left college. Yeah. And wholeheartedly believed he would beat Kobe, the best player in the NBA at the time, probably, in one-on-one. Like, Kyrie's always had an inflated uh, sense of self. So all of his tracks for me. Uh, hopefully his desire to win will uh, overrule his uh, – creative approach to coaching basketball, I guess. His need to be disrespectful to LeBron James is the weirdest thing that's come out of all of this. 
and I don't know what to think about it. You're probably right. It's probably just here for content, but man, it just it's a can't pick. wait till the Nets and Lakers play. I'll tell you that. He can. Yeah, I know. So LeBron's running point now. Like it's not like he's blocking fucking Kyrie. Well, in another land of bad decisions, the Eastern Conference continues as Doc Rivers is now in as the Philadelphia 76ers head coach. Mike, we joked about this. This is a guy whose teams famously don't get along going to a team where players, wait for it, don't get along. How are we going to be here in a year talking about, man, they fired Doc again? I I really never know what to make of the Sixers. They are never as good as they should be. Somehow Simmons seems to have gotten worse. I don't know. I mean, it's just <laughs> six okay, or seven. So, so if you're Doc Rivers, do you, did you take the job saying I'm going to keep them both or do you want to get rid of one? Uh, I think he goes in and kind of like, I think he wants to get eyes on and like a little personal experience with how they both are before he makes that call. But uh, how many years have they been doing the uh, Simmons and Bead uh, experience? Longer than you think. I think it's like six or seven now. Yeah, I mean, at first what they blamed, like, they have folks and they got rid of him. Then they tried to bring in uh, some veteran experience that didn't really help them do anything. I mean, they're just going to be kind of hovering, you know, at a – make the playoffs, not really do anything, make any noise in the playoffs year after year thing. So I think they're going to have to make some pretty big. Part of it's just from a basketball perspective, Embiid needs to live on the post, and Ben Simmons is best at the dunker spot. They play basically the same position. I'm a big advocate for saying trade Ben Simmons because I think you'll get more back for him and you can be more unique like the Lakers and have just size with Embiid. Do you would you, are you a trade Ben or trade Embiid or keep them both guy? I don't think they play. I don't think they serve the same function. But uh, okay, I, they don't serve the same function. But they they impede each other by existence. I would. I don't know. Personally, I I can't handle having someone that can't shoot. I mean, who won't shoot? Not can't. Whatever. If you're not a misses, but he takes him, so you got to pay attention. Like, unless you're slashing or whatever, and that's the only way you're a threat on the, the offensive end, like, I don't know. I don't know how to, like, game plan around that. I don't know how to design an offense where you have four people that are really a threat and not five. Right. Hmm. Rich, do you have any Sixers thoughts? Because this has been a, a longstanding point of contention for my brain because I just think it's just a really poorly managed mismatch of talent. I would. I think you get more for Ben Simmons. I think he's got more value in the trade market. I think that you've got to break him up, though. I see your point, but I, my question is, whoever you're trading, is the other person going to be healthy enough to be the asset you think they are? And that's fair, that's too. And, and, and that's 100% fair, too, because then if you come down to health, it's almost like a scratch because they've both been had their issues and struggles in that department. Yeah, and and so I see both of your points. I think there isn't necessarily redundancy, but there is that clouding of your specializations when they're together, but there's also that cover for when one is hurt. So if they're both healthy, 
sure, there is a little bit of that uh, grinding of the gears, so to speak. Someone's going to get out of the fucking lane. That's what it is. It's yeah. so crowded. Yeah. And, and I think if you do it and now you got uh, out of 82 game season, you're losing 16 games of Ben or you have MB gone for like 30 and you got nothing else. I, I don't know how they handle that. I mean, I don't know how they handle anything right now because I feel like if Doc tries to imitate his deal with the the the, the, the Celtics where they put the money up in the rafters and like we're going to be back here to get it, one of the one of the players is just going to grab that money and be like, we're "Oh yeah, that's a, that's an NBA <laughs> right there." Like, I didn't think we're coming back. I'm sorry. <laughs> I needed some new shoes and the cash was there. Like, I did what I had to do. Uh, moving on now, we're gonna we're skipping college football again. Um, not watching college football this year, not watching college sports. It's been weird for me, which is why this the whole podcast thing is kind of we're trying to figure out what's going to happen here. Do you want to talk about a 19 year old sophomore at Appalachian State, Chad Dorrell? Um, he passed away this week. Complications from COVID, diagnosed early in September. He lived off campus. All his classes were online. He began feeling unwell earlier in September, so the chancellor of App State. His mother encouraged him to come home, quarantine to be tested. After testing positive in his home county, he followed isolation procedures. It was cleared by his doctor to return to Boone. Um, he had more difficulties after being back at school and was hospitalized and did make it. And um, we don't, this is just a highlight. We don't know what this thing does. They know how it affects people. We've seen colleges open up and have to close right back down, and they're telling us that on Saturdays they need the, the young men out there playing football for them. So uh, that should answer any questions to why we're not doing this, why we won't be doing this uh, going forward as far as uh, covering college sports. And I hope they do it healthy. I hope they do it safely. I just don't have any faith in the people in charge. Uh, <clears throat> moving on now, Thursday Night Football. We No one watched it. I hope you guys didn't watch it either. I don't gamble that much anymore. Um, but the Jets – we're out there, and they're rolling out injured players, and they're rolling out defenders who are trying to hurt other players to the point where the opposing team's coach demanded that his players leave the field as soon as the game was over without shaking hands because he, the players were mad about the cheap shots, mad about the dirty shots. That's Greg Williams uh, defensively. That's who he's always been. You may remember the name with the extra G on it. He was the orchestrator of the Bounty Gate in uh, New Orleans. And Mike Tanner from the, uh, I believe, let me get the actual, uh, he works for um, the NFL writer for Football Outsiders, and he said it best for me. The Jets situation down, boils down to a head coach who will injure his own players to keep his job and a defensive coordinator who will injure opponents to keep his job, yet they still cannot win. Rich, uh, this is a different situation than what we've seen in your former fanship, Buffalo, but I got to ask, is this a uh, – Throw everyone out situation because I think that quarterback is if he was going to be good he's he's ruined now. I think that the front office is obviously in shambles and we see what the coaching staff is. This is a a, a clean house situation. It is if not for the fact one of my best friends is a Jets fan and he made me oh, aware no. of the fact. Yeah, I know, I know. He he made me aware of the fact that the head coach is good friends with the owner, not the racist <laughs> owner, the uh, less racist <laughs> owner who hasn't said things publicly. Uh. And so he doesn't even talk to the GM. He talks to him directly. And so that's never a good sign because that's right. going to be the, well, you know, we just got to gotta work it out together and we're going to get there. Because we've seen this already from the head coach and we've seen it from the defensive coordinator. There isn't something where you say this is a, a rarity. When he was on the Dolphins, Gase did the same thing, having players fight injured, having players be put in positions where uh, if he didn't want to play them, he would be putting them into health 
uh, basically put them over the middle if they were a receiver he didn't like. Hello, Stills. Um, and so that is that's first of all malfeasance. You're putting someone's body on the line right. to prove a point that doesn't need to be made. And Greg Williams is a scumbag of the highest proportions. Has been, always will be. True, and true. his son is going to get the benefits of that because his son. Greg Jr.'s on his staff, and people will just ignore that when he gets pushed along after this. Uh, I'm I'm in agreement with you. I think everything needs to go. I am a Sam Darnold fan. I think oh, though he has don't do this. No, no, he's got he's got to get put in the right spot. Oh, no, Rich, no. I got to listen. I, you look at the Frankenstein monster that they're claiming is accurate up in Western New York. And he's surrounded by quality receivers, look, a okay, good old line. Look, Josh Allen is the best version. He, the top end of Josh Allen's the top end of Tyrod Taylor. That's a whole other ball of wax up there. We all know what's happening there. Yeah. Don't. Do but this. he's. Don't. I, do this. I'm not saying Darnold's going to be great. I'm saying Darnold would be is going to be the white quarterback that sticks around as a backup and becomes the uh, starter du jour. He's not going to be Fitz. I don't think anyone can be Fitz. But he's going to be that guy who gets a couple of games. He's not even going to be Nick Foles. He might, he might be Nick Foles. Let me. Nick I, I'm Foles arguing with is myself. Rich man's. He is hot streak. Um, Joe Flacco. Yes, I think I think that's his high point with a coach that understands I, it. The mistakes I watch Sam Darnold make aren't mistakes that you make in, th- in year three and four. Well, he's been making them since USC, and the problem exactly. is his coaches have never corrected it, and, and that's, that's the fine, sad part. But at a certain point, you are who you are, and this second chance and stuff. We've watched what this league is turning into. There are yeah. no places for Sam Darnold. Not practice in year squad. four. And that at this point is development in year four. Yeah, practice squad. Because you look at Rosen, he's there with Bucks. Uh, he, he pro- that's probably what he has to look forward to. I'm still uh, – I'm ugh. the last one on Rosen Island. I, uh, I'm there too. That's the thing. I think Rosen was in a, a worse situation because you had a blackhead coach who got a year. Ugh. <laughs> Ah. Also, it, you know what? Honestly, it, it's also like the, listen to the way they talk about Rosen. He's too smart. Think it, it, it smacks up a little anti-Semitism, which you don't really deal with in football because of lack of Jewish people in football. Yeah, but he's yeah. too uppity. That's well, that's it, it's a lot of that shit. And I'm like, wait a second. Yeah, that's how, and that's why I think him being in Tampa with um the parents, the, the person who's employed more black more black coaches than anyone in the goddamn world. Yep. And Byron Leftwich is the quarterback coach. Like, I think that there's a place for him to maybe get another shot. That might be it. Oh, he upgraded. I, I think Byron's, well, I guess offensive coordinator in name, I guess. I mean, he's still in the room. I mean, I think Byron's still yeah. in the room with the quarterbacks. But I'm yeah. saying have a black quarterback who experienced the same shades of shit that Rose right. is going to hopefully maybe open some eyes, maybe give him a shot. I, I'm, I, you and me, last two on Rosen Island. I just like the yeah. smart kid who uh, questioned. The, the entire system was UCLA and put a hot tub in the room as a freshman because that's a kid that fucking gets it. Um, the Titans. Okay. I want to make sure I got this whole story straight. Apparently, some of the Titans popped for COVID before they played the Vikings. They then played the Vikings. Then more pops came out. The Titans were told to not be in their facility until Saturday this week. Um, since then, we now have 16 total members of the Titans. I just had to re-Google to make sure the number's accurate. Eight players, eight people on staff members, excuse me, eight personnel. Now a total of 16 members of the organization tested positive since the team played last Sunday. Um, the list is long, and it's not good. So the resultant was going to be moving this Titans-Steelers game. 
and it was going to be moved to maybe Monday or Tuesday. But if you can't get in the facility until Saturday, you're talking about playing on two days practice, which isn't safe for one, COVID, and two, Jesus Christ, don't get these players killed. So now it's been suspended indefinitely. And then right before we start recording, it's reported that not only has a practice squad player for the Chiefs tested positive, but Cameron fucking Newton for the New England Bakers is tested positive. And as we record right now, I'm watching NFL talking heads say, this is just like an injury. You knew this would happen. They should start Jared Sidham and play without accounting for at any point the fact that these players have been on other players all week, and we don't know who else on the team has it because of the incubation period of this virus. Rich, did I miss anything? Well, one thing you missed, apparently they moved it. They moved the Steelers by week uh, from week seven to this week where they were practicing and, uh, by themselves and then being told to isolate until they figure things out. And uh, so the Steelers are going to play 13 straight weeks of football. And because Mike Tomlin is one of my favorite coaches, I, I listened to the sound clip of him being told that and the media like saying, so how do you, how do you, Coach Tomlin, how do you handle 13? And he just stared someone dead in his Zoom eye and said, we do not care. We will play 13 weeks in a row. Now, maybe Villanueva will put a tweet out and say he cares because that's his style whenever his coach does something. Uh, but that's a conversation for another day. But I think this is ridiculous. I, I, oh, I can't stand Villanueva. This dude. Oh. Him and the pounces. But, that, again, another podcast entirely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this is, this is insane. Uh, they never wanted to bubble because they said that they were too important and the shield would protect them. Uh, you now have guys like Pete Prisco talking about, I got it. I was in the, I'm in the old group. It was just a mild cold. Everyone will be fine. As if 200,000 people aren't dead. But Pete Prisco is the only data point you need, baby. Yeah. It's it. The Prisco factor coming soon to CBS. Like, this is is that not uh, only was this all very predictable, but mm -hmm. they had no plan in place. Mike, have you seen the thing that they put out yesterday about um, what the bye week's going to do? With uh, player travel? Requiring all players must stay in their own city in their bye weeks and provide daily specimen testing for COVID testing. They better have had a long conversation with the Players Association over this shit because you want to see some pissed off NFL players? You're about to see them. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like they really thought through their uh, COVID policies that extensively. Uh, like, this is only going to be more of a mess as time goes on. Because the likelihood that just one player on the Chiefs and just one player on the uh, Patriots have it, so, so, so small. And, and what's wild to me is that now reports are coming out that there are Air Force or like Army bases willing to bubble the NFL teams. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to be away from my family for five fucking months either. Like, I see all sides of it. I see why they tried it. But, Rich, am I crazy or is this a wrap? Are we done for the year? Like, I think that it, that, that you start moving games. And there aren't – it's not like these teams have a whole bunch of flexibility as far as scheduling-wise. This isn't college football where you've got two or three bye weeks built in and you can move things around. Which, also, another lie about college football is that it takes so long to schedule these games. We've seen the machine move much quicker when it had to. Hmm. Um, yeah. Am I crazy in that? And I always said that it was more important they finish the season than if they start one. Are we seeing down now, honestly, like a real situation where they don't finish? I think we're seeing the start of it, but I think because of greed and those contracts, they're going to still try uh, and get to as much games as they can and then do a truncated playoff. 
I look at, you know, with the Chiefs, they're already saying the NFL put out a, a memo. They're going to play on Tuesday with the Patriots. Uh, so that means that the Chiefs happen. are going to. I want to say right now, that will not happen. I'm, I'm going to play. I'm going to play dumb, and I'm going to take the Prisco route. I'm going to say they're the shield is going to protect them and all that stupidness. Tuesday they play the uh, Patriots. Sunday they would then turn around and play the Raiders, and then that Thursday they would turn around and play the Bills. I'm Are sorry, you did trying? You just, did you just tell me that both three games in ten days? Yes, sir. Hmm. Are you are you trying to to mess with your money? You got a half billion dollar quarterback. You're trying to get hurt. Trying to get COVID. Nah, man. That's a lot of nah, man. It's not gonna happen. This isn't gonna happen. Just for the reason you just spelled out. Not, this can't. This cannot be done. Huh. I can't even watch college football because now I'm gonna be out of football. I can watch Listen. college football. My big thing was, and I think Nada mentioned this on Twitter as well, I was very cynical when when they started, like, we're going to actually pretend like we care about black lives and such, and they got strong-armed by Mahomes and some of the star players, that, you know, okay, here's your way to get at Joe, or as Nada calls it, the F-150 pop. Let's do the bubble like he had suggested at the Army bases, because other than, you know, the one in Texas where people disappear, they're pretty empty right now. And you could have the troops. We love America. We also kind of uh, tolerate black people. And we have these bubbles. And they didn't want to do that because, again, we're not the NBA. We're not hockey. We're not women's basketball. We're the NFL. We'll handle it. Uh, and and now you're in this situation. And I always thought the worry was going to be, honestly, guys, was the, when we get to week 12, 13, and there's teams that are clearly out of it, why do you care anymore? Like the Jets right, now, right. you see the Jets, you see they're going to be 0-13, maybe 1-11, 1-12, depending on the bye week, I can't remember. And are they really in New York City going to adhere to that? Hmm. We already got the Raiders going to super spreader events in Las Vegas. I want to say good things about David Carr, too, because I've liked the way he's played this year so far. Oh, well. The last topic of the day is one of the runs bridges so uh, uniquely angled for Mike. I'm going to have to ask that you uh, give me your honest impressions of, because this is what's interesting to me, is when someone who is not involved in the thing that I like gives me their opinion of the thing that I like and when something stupid happens. Like when smart people looked at college football and were like, wait, why aren't they paid? And it's just a simple question. Like, oh, yeah, they aren't paid. This is fucked up. Mike, the WWE is a wrestling company comprised of not employees, but independent contractors are all 1099 by the company. This is a very important note. Now, they limit how much they can make, limit how they can make their money. Understandable. These athletes, wrestlers, entertainers have found new ways to interact with their fan base, find it, build engagement, and use it for either monetary gain or charity gain through Internet Twitch streams of video games. It's what other people watching you play video games. I don't get it. I have done it for charity. However, I appreciate that someone else is really into this, and it's been a good way for them to build that rapport. Notable wrestlers, Paige, AJ Styles, obviously Xavier Woods, they've all kind of built their own independent brands of WWE to the point where Xavier Woods has said on WWE's programming, including his own podcast, that – this is so that when he can, does not take bumps anymore, he can still earn money. The WWE apparently has taken offense to this 
and has announced that before the end of October, they'll be taking over all of their talent's Twitch accounts and then paying them a portion of the revenue generated, which will go against their downside guarantee. Layman's terms, the downside guarantee is if, ever, if you were to get hurt and you had to go home, this is how much they pay you no matter what. It's before your merch sales, before your ticket sales, before anything else. So what they decided now is that they're going after these independent contractors' activities when not on the clock for their monetary gain. Mike, how, is it as dumb as it sounds to me? Uh, I mean, depending on who actually wins the inevitable lawsuit, uh, you know, I don't know what their contracts look like. I think it's horrible and uh, shouldn't happen. But if the WWE drew up some uh, good contracts and they're just exploiting the terrible deals they force their uh, wrestlers into. Well, that's the other interesting thing is that other people are noticing. Andrew Yang, whose name I wish I didn't know, but I still do. He's a wrestling fan. And without getting too political, one of the candidates isn't in the hospital right now. And people don't vote for people in the hospital, by and large. So if you were to assume a more regulatory future in our government, what the, Rich, make it make sense for me. You do this shit for a living, man. You work at PW Torch. Tell me, what the fuck? Is this just like is what what's the what's the goal? Is it just to get a couple more bucks from the talent? Well, I mean, this happened before, not obviously with Twitch and stuff, because different strokes, different timeline. But in the uh mid nineties when they were struggling and hemorrhaging money, they basically took over any of their appearances and third party deals and that wasn't when they were clearing the most profit in the history of the company. So this is wanting greed. This is, I, I want what you got and I want what I got. And it's really, at first I thought it was just their usual paranoia because guys like AJ Styles revealed on Twitch, he had COVID when most people, they, they strongly didn't want people to talk about it. Uh, but instead it's just, no, I want what you're making. It's the, it's the, you know what it is, uh, Palm, and maybe you'll need to explain it. Uh, this is the final form of the Zack Ryder situation made whole. <laughs> for those who don't know, Zack Ryder was a meh, talent in WWE for years. He used his own platform on his YouTube channel, I believe it was, to get himself over. He invented a world title belt, called himself the Internet World Champion, had people doing his stupid chant and mocking his stupid ring gear at the time. And he actually got over with it. The WWE grabbed it, fought off him, and used it to bury him. Is that the fairest way I could describe that? Oh, oh! don't forget to add the part where they took over Yahoo, uh, the YouTube accounts and made their own presence based on what he did with far worse talent or far less, uh, I guess, internet savvy talent. Yes, that too. They oh, and they room. bought Tout. They bought Tout because they thought that would help them put it over the top. Yeah, they they, they really, he, he built a brand. One of the jobs in, as an independent contractor is go get yourself over. Go make it so people want to spend money to see you, to see you get beat up, or to buy your shirt. And he did that. And they rewarded him by ruining it. And that's what's happening here. Like, I, it's a great analogy. I hadn't even thought about it that way. But this is the newest generation of the Zack Ryder thing. But again, the same way when smart people started, or not smart, influential people started noticing, like, hey, these football players seem to be killing themselves a lot. Or why aren't they paying these kids? 
Andrew Yang using his voice matters. Batista, who I didn't expect to come out and be as honest as he's been about the McMahons, has been very interesting as well. It it hurts their case that a lot of this talent is able to succeed without them. Well, with Palm, one thing we got to note to the audience, though, with Batista is they poo-pooed two of the biggest movies in the history of film. So, Mike, Mike, this is just this is one of the reasons where, like, I I bring out people in the show and wrestling to show you how dumb this thing is that I love. Like, we've been talking about bubbles, but Palm's about to explain, like, a real bubble. Like, this is – okay, go ahead. Before Guardians dropped, Batista was doing another run in WWE, and he was like, hey, I would love to tie in some of the movie stuff, do some cross-promotion. And they said no, because they didn't really think about – they didn't know what the Marvel movies really were, and they thought the Batista's thing was nice. They didn't want to attach themselves to some small thing. And then he asked them to do it for Infinity War 2, I believe. Stop. Correct. Yeah, because he said this might even tie into like a thing they're calling uh, this new Avengers movie. They're like, oh, this is cute. This is this is cute, pal. But uh, we're good. And they laughed in his face. That's the one thing I always want to remind people. They laughed in this grown man's face that he Mike. thought this would be successful. Mike. But like at that point, it was clear the behemoth that is Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe. Like, Guardians. In, like plugged in the zeitgeist. That's how disconnected these people are. Like, that's why this is my illustration of how insular this, this stupid, stupid, stupid thing I love is. That's just horrible business. Like, it's terrible. Do they not like money? I mean, what are we doing? Well, Mike, just to give you a quick rundown, because I, I don't want to hijack this. Uh, they had one of their what? top talents uh, become the mascot for the uh, World Series champion, uh, San, San Francisco Giants. They completely ignored that. He was also at the time the uh, Seahawks like biggest fan that they would bring to every game. And so they ignored that. That's Daniel Bryan. Uh, currently, I think is going to be the most embarrassing thing for them. Uh, one of their uh, black women wrestlers who they have uh, completely wasted many times, despite the fact that her uncle is Snoop freaking dog, uh, is in the in Mandalorian this season. And I'm going to be home, really man. interested. I think that's why she's getting the belt. I'm hoping they learn from Batista then. Yeah, the Mandalorian. <laughs> Are they going to throw away that Disney money three times? I mean, <laughs> let's find out. I mean, the second I want to see the credits for the Mandalorian because that's going to help. Because just like when Dwayne made that transition mm-hmm. where it was Dwayne the Rock Johnson, if she says her name is Mercedes Veronalo instead of Sasha Banks, you just just put the clock up. So as as, uh, as my man says, like stop the clock, run the clock. We got this going. It's and speaking of stop the clock, for everyone who wanted Roman as a heel, you got what you wanted. Start the clock. He's leaving. Oh, low low voice talking, king he's of the tribe, Roman Reigns. I don't need to oh. bump anymore. Yo, he, you need a cut rate, Jason Momoa. I got Roman Reigns for you. You need a cut rate, Dwayne Johnson. Look, man, I'm just saying, like, at least from the start, that's how it's going to start. And now that he's shown his ability to, to do this shit, yeah, this is why they didn't pull the trigger. This is why you got babyface, bad, bad uh, promos, Roman, because they knew what they had. Like, the second we show what he can do, he's the fuck out of here. And, and, and 
Uh, again, Mike, you might not know, but Roman currently is with a manager, Paul Heyman. He ran ECW. He's manager to the start. He's been doing it for 30, 40 years at this point. One of the things Paul Heyman, despite his honesty being uh, kind of like an anathema for him, he has a deep, revered respect for the Samoan family because of what they've done for him in his career. So when they stuck him with Roman and they made him his uh, mouthpiece, like by, by to the side there, basically, because Roman's still talking. He is, I don't think WWE realized it, but by wasting Heyman and letting Heyman shape this and letting Roman shape himself, they've allowed Heyman to kind of give him the biggest platform to leave possible while also, yeah, like here's the door. Like this is, this is the best part of um, when I, next time I come to this door, the day I come and you're not here, I'm going to be a happy man. That's what that's what Paul Heyman's doing for him. And they don't realize it because they're so, again, bubble. They just see him as, well, we got to use this fat guy whose contract we still have because we can't fire him because we don't want him going to the other place and kind of not doing anything there because they wouldn't know what to do. Uh, but I digress. I'm going to hand off the palm because this is your show. No, I mean, I, hasn't I, he been doing uh, movies? Because I don't think they just used his wrestling name in the credits for that uh, Fast movie he did. I think got the Joe Roman Reigns NOI, I thought. Yep. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, that's, And that's how you got to do makes, it. Which makes sense because it was a Rock thing. Rock mm-hmm. was never going to let him. You're not going to make the clean break in the movie with your cousin who's also tied to WWE. That's not the clean break movie. Right. Sasha and they Reigns tried to be slick with it, Paul. might be, though. Like that maybe it could be a real deal, real deal rap on Sasha. Yeah. And they tried to be cute with that one where they wanted like WWE films credit and the rock was gently like, um, no, thank you. <laughs> you can I'll use the name. You're not getting credits on my movies. We've passed that shit. This is not the Marine seven. This is a real fucking movie. It's fast <laughs> 27. Damn it. Like when the fast movies are in space and Keanu Reeves is like their uh, money penny, that is when you know that, you know, I I don't even know who's going to get pulled into that. Like Roman might become. You you do. You do. God, Roman. (laughs) And Cena's in it. That's the other thing. We even talk about Cena's in the fast universe now. So like they're all there. They're giving Cena a television show on, on HBO. His character from Suicide Squad, Peacemaker, is getting his own television show on HBO now, Max. That's the other thing about if you're a top wrestler and you make a tradition, you don't generally miss. They generally do fairly well because guess what? Hitting your mark isn't just like, hey, we're going to waste some film and say, oh, that guy could break his neck if I'm not on my mark. Crazy. And they all get credit for being the hardest workers. It's like because guess what? You got SAG money now, bro. You ain't got to worry about the boss messing with that. You got health care. I went out there and put on a great match, and you didn't give me a check. You paid me in a hot dog and a soda. No, 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 no. These checks are guaranteed. You're getting professionalism, hustle, loyalty, and respect. Paying for your hotel room, Palm. I remember the story the first time they went, and they were like, "Wait, I don't have to pay for this." It was it was Dean Ambrose. And or, that's you know, Moxley. Don't go back. And they realize right. that you're not. Mike, that's the crit. They pay for their own travel. They pay for their own rental cars. Even their like big international shows. No, they, they pay. So they pay for flights. You pay for your. You you'll get from airport to airport, but you're responsible for everything else. That's why you hear stories of wrestlers splitting cars and splitting hotels. 
Right. Or guys like AJ Styles bought a bus. He bought a tour bus and goes around the country with it. Or it meets him when he flies from spot to spot. It's it's the most (laughs) stupid, archaic thing, and we love it. Rich, tell everyone they can hear you talk more about professional wrestling every week. Oh, absolutely. You can find me on the PW Torch. Uh, You can find me on the live cast, which will be actually Saturday called The Deep Dive with Rich Fan. I try to spend an hour or so talking about topics du jour. This week I'm talking the New Japan uh, G1 Climax with my friends, uh, Justin and Chris. Chris, who is in a perpetual battle with Deep Home for appearances on The Deep Dive. So that continues. I also do the East Coast cast with Travis Bryan and Cameron Hawkins. You might know him as Seahawk. He usually puts some filth up and I take no responsibility for it. You can always find me on Twitter at Rich underscore fan, F-A-N-N. Chris, I think it's very cute you keep trying to come for me. I got appearances. I got listeners per appearance. Let's do this. I, I run numbers. <laughs> Prather, man, uh, before you go, you don't have anything to plug. Let's do the middle of the series. Are we looking at a sweet brother? Is this a wrap? Am I not going to talk to you again before these finals are over? I just, you know, part of me feels like, there's always some uncertainty and maybe they'll have a bad game and the heat will escape with a game. Uh, so let's just, uh, let's just call it a gentleman sweep. And I wouldn't be surprised at a, a official sweep sweep. I like a cowardice. I must go against it. Lakers in three. That was the show. There is no outro. See you guys next week. <laughs>